say I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? This hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Brain is gone. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's a lie. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in, Hysteria Nation, to the podcast that has never found a buried treasure. But we did once stumble upon two tickets to paradise. This is Hysteria 51. (laughs) That one was a reach. But one I can appreciate, John. Any chance to involve Eddie is money. (laughs) (sighs) Now I I regret it immediately. I regret my decision immediately. We are broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago. My name is John Goforth, and alongside on this treasure hunt are the bad puns of Mr. Brent Hand. You know, John, uh, thank you, but I don't think of them as bad just more of an acquired taste. I acquired your taste once and I haven't been the same robot since. I have absolutely no idea what that means, but since you're here, Seabot, uh, did you want to finish telling us about your spring toy lineup? Oh, you mean Uncle Conspiracy Bot's fun time toys? Sure. I get a headache every time I hear that phrase. Uncle Conspiracy Bot's fun time toys. Uncle Conspiracy Bot's fun time toys. Uncle Conspiracy Bot's fun time toys. Uncle Conspiracy Bot's C-Bot, fun time toys. enough! <laughs> Thank God. What? He said he got a headache, I thought I could help, or make his head explode like that scene in Scanners. Either one, really. I, I, I hate him. Not Michael Ironsides in Scanners, but I hate him. I, I just, you know, <laughs> I, I do, I, no, no, I just hate him, I'm gonna stop there. <laughs> Uncle Conspiracy Bot's Fun Time Toys. Uh, okay, okay, enough, enough. Show us what you got. Thanks, John. No time listener, long time caller, glad to be here to share with you our latest creation at Conspiracy Industries. That's right. We're a corporation now. We? You got a mouse in your pocket there, robot? No, just Kyle. He actually helped me with the incorporation. I advised Conspiracy Bot to incorporate in Delaware to enjoy the tax benefits. Conspiracy Industries now is a legal operation across multiple state and even has an EIN number. Now, now I'm officially frightened. I, I wasn't I wasn't worried before, but legitimizing him might be the scariest thing you can do. Can we quit talking all of this legal mumbo jumbo and get to the good stuff? My next kid's toy. Oh, by all means. Let me just lift this up here. There we are. This is the Lil Guppy's imagination cannon. It looks like a potato gun. You've got a keen eye. My design pools the resources of teenagers from across the globe. As you can see, the PVC pipe is fed by a constant stream of aerosolized propane, which is then mixed with acetylene and injected into the flyback circuit igniter. This process then creates enough force to spark the imagination. Thus, the Lil Guppy's Imagination Cannon. Here, I'll show you. I just put any inanimate object here. For instance, let's try Conspiracy Kyle. Bot. I then must I hit protest the... <laughs> oh, dude, holy <coughs> shit, what the hell? I have a few kinks to work out, but as you can see, it works pretty well. How are we not dead? I simply directed the force of the blast directly from Kyle to the ceiling to get the full imagination effect of it all. And because Kyle has turned into a real asshole lately. You you just ripped a hole in the roof to teach Kyle a lesson? That's what you're saying? Oh, come on. Does that actually surprise you? No, I actually suppose it doesn't. <laughs> the man has a point. Um, do you think Kyle's okay? Okay. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. Cheese muffins. Did someone say cheese muffins? I just heard it. I did, I did, I did, I did daddy Oh. <laughs> You said, <laughs> you said it, Kyle. You bet. I'll go get some now. You can't argue with results. Well, we do seem to have the same old Kyle back. And a coffee maker-sized hole in the studio roof. But, John, <laughs> the show must go on. And tonight, we have a fun one, an airy fun one, because we're going to have a little bit of a breeze. But Flynn's Treasure, not to be confused with Flynn's Arcade, eh, slightly different. But uh, why don't you tell us a little about... I mean, Finns or Flins. I mean, I guess you can choose. <laughs> we could change on the fly if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> New topic. The year 1900 and something or other. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I will. How about I give you the Gofopedia? 
on Ooh. Finn's treasure. So there's this former Air Force pilot turned art dealer named Forrest Finn. Tale as old as time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a great name, too. Alliter- I love alliteration. Anyway, this guy has made bank as an art dealer in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Anyway, in 1988, Forrest is only in his 50s, and he gets diagnosed with terminal cancer. He decides he wants to make an impact and leave a legacy, so he decides to basically die in the woods next to a treasure chest. I mean, that's that's essentially what he wants to do. Um, He's got this favorite spot in the Rocky Mountains that he's just going to go die and have a treasure chest with him. Then on some unknown date in the future... Someone will stumble along and find a skeleton sitting next to a treasure. Holy Grail style. Anyway, uh, there's one problem with it. He recovers. <laughs> the, the cancer oh, was damn. not so terminal. Oh, shit. <laughs> there go all my plans. Yeah. I already have my so, spot picked. Yeah. Right. Upon further review, he decides to write a book. And then once he writes the book, he's going to put clues in a poem in that book and then bury said treasure at that spot that was going to be his final resting place. He, re- he really did all this, and then he releases the book in 2010, and for the next decade, hundreds of thousands of people search the Rockies far and wide for Finn's treasure. And unlike many of the stories, uh, kind of like this one that we do on this show, this one has an ending. Yeah, now you've been spoiled to the ending uh, if you listen to Mad Blurry Hysteria because we we talked about that on there recently and it made right. it you know that we got to cover the whole thing now. Spoiler alert! If you but if you don't know it, wait until the end. It's it's a fun one. It sure. Is. So let's do this. Let's let's get a quick break in real quick. I'm going to put up a tarp just in case it starts raining. And when we come back, uh, a bit more about Finn, the treasure hunt, and the folks that have died looking for it because, oh, they have. That's after the break on Hysteria 51. Fucking plaster everywhere. (laughs) Nation, what difficulties did you have with learning a new language in school or whenever you did it? Did you do it through textbooks or did you try to use some weird online thing. I know I took two years in high school and two years in college and I knew nothing. And that's because I wasn't using something like what we have been blessed to have as a longtime sponsor. And we use it. Rosetta stone. They're the most trusted language learning program and it's available on desktop or as an app. And the reason why I enjoy doing it, it immerses you in the language you want to learn instead of just being silly drills and a class you can sleep through. <laughs> I definitely use it. I, I think it's really cool how they have the speech recognition program on there. It gives you the feedback on the pronunciation. Are you making fun stuff. of me because I can never do that? That's what you're getting at right now. That's <laughs> what it, it's like. What are you trying to do? Do it right. <laughs> uh, but it is really cool. They've got all kinds of lessons. You can do it uh, offline. You don't even have to be online for it. That is great because it's right there in your pocket or at your home and you can do it. You got 15 minutes. Let's go to town. Let's do it. You know, and Mm -hmm. it's amazing value. Lifetime membership has all 25 languages available for any trips. You need language in life. You need to brush up on stuff. Maybe you just met a girl or a guy or a non-binary and they're from uh, somewhere else. Someone, you know, who knows? Well, if they're in the one of the 25, Rosetta's going to work for you. (laughs) If you get lifetime access to all of that and there is a 50% offer, so it is a steal. So don't put off learning language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Hysteria 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for that 50% off that I just told you about. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off, unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. A today. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 
You know, Brent, I didn't think that if you shot something through a roof or a wall, it would actually take on the shape of that thing like in a cartoon. Obviously, you didn't watch the television I did as a child. <laughs> I'll be damned if you don't have a coffee maker shaped <laughs> hole in your roof. Right, right. So not shaped like a coffee maker, but uh, shaped like a man. A treasure hunting man. Inner one forest fin, like we were talking about. Oh, my oh, third what favorite a transition. Tekken character right after Paul Phoenix and Sebastian Tekken. Ooh, there's a uh, there's a deep cut. That ooh, that was that was that was a deep cut. Ooh, ooh. What was the what was the name of uh what was the name of the panda? Panda, wasn't it? Oh, was it panda? <laughs> Well, there's Kuma and Panda. There was two of them. Okay, there's Kuma and Panda. Yeah. Um, I hated playing with Panda, but man, when people uh, would use him and know how to use him, they he could like juggle you with just punches, like it, almost like a remember King. You know, they, uh, King gets a hold the, of the you. One hole. Yeah. Yeah. And then just you know, they hit about thirty thousand buttons, and next thing you know, the round's over. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Anyway. And then Forest Finn, Forest Law, Martial Law. They're all the same. They're all. Yep. Uh, Forrest also always did all of his treasure hunting in a bright yellow onesie. So it's all making I, sense now. Was he, was he all, did he also do, uh, uh rap battles? Yes. Okay, good. That good. was just, he lived in the eighties. Everyone did. <laughs> but outside of that, John, tell us a little bit more about him. <laughs> Other than all of those, all those facts. Forrest Fenn was born in Temple, Texas in August of 1930. He served in the Air Force in Vietnam, where he, get this, Brent, flew 328 combat missions in 348 days. Wow. I'm jealous. I bet you are, but he wasn't after the war and receiving the Silver Star. In fact, Fenn became a pacifist. You know, dude, I myself dabbled in pacifism at one point. Not in Nam, of course. <laughs> wow. <laughs> surprisingly fitting drops. But anyway, <laughs> I don't want to give him a lot of praise. Finn retired from the Air Force after the war and made his way into the aforementioned art dealing, which he was surprisingly good at. Uh, he eventually opened his own gallery in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and made literally millions off of it. Santa Fe is a beautiful area. It is. I had never been, and my aunt and uncle moved out there a couple years back, and we went out and visited, stayed uh, at an Airbnb casita. So I, I just thought it would be this little mountain town or desert town or whatever. And I mean, it is. But the the interesting thing about it is, it is chock full of art galleries. Like there's more art galleries than there are like restaurants. It is. It's really well, you uncultured strange. swine. That's where the art travels in the winter before it flies north for the summer. <laughs> <laughs> you, you almost had that. me for a second like you knew something that i that's just said on both of you uh, and uh, obviously a lot of the art is native american and western in nature it's a cool 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 town it's like once you get there and you see that there are literally scores of art galleries and they all have pieces of art that are tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars this becomes like less weird when you read this story if i hadn't been to santa fe i'd wonder about it and a lot of the art there interestingly enough is digital art done in photoshop do you know why no in santa fe they love adobe <laughs> you're welcome you're fucking well <sighs> that one's for you you can take that you can put that in your pocket you can just let it put that in your there. pipe and smoke it yeah <laughs> your peace pipe ah see i brought it back so in 1986 a profile in people magazine 1986 the sorry keep going <laughs> Staying in the 80s. Uh, former President Gerald Ford, Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis, Robert Redford, Cher, and Steve Martin were among the patrons paying high prices for oil paintings and Native American art from one Mr. Forrest Fenn. Well, that's a pretty uh, uh, star-studded of the time names. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the that's the creme de la creme. I mean, Robert, there wasn't a bigger actor at that time than Robert Redford. And I mean, Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis is, you know, royalty, essentially American royalty. I mean, Steve Martin, Steve Martin. So, I, I mean, he he sold to all the right people. Uh, and uh, we didn't mean we didn't. This isn't in our outline. But one thing I read, Brent, he also sold forgeries. But like he he didn't pretend they were real. They were known forgeries. Some forgeries, when they're really good, take on like a life of their own. Yeah, exactly. You know, like people and, like the fact that it's. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> although they did say that he, he, the way he like his sales line would be like, 
a forgery is better. Why, why would you, why would you pay so much more just because it has somebody's, you know, initials on it? Right. <laughs> Come on, dude. You're an art dealer. Don't say that. <laughs> Any, anyway, it's worth pointing. And, and that probably leads into kind of his, I don't want to speak poor of the dead, but like, uh, okay, I will. He, I have no problem. Uh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> he was, he was a little, um, uh, maybe slimy. That might be a, uh, uh, I don't know if that's an overreach. He, Here's he, the thing. A lot of the local tribes thought he was exploiting their their arts and culture and their artifacts for profit, and he was <laughs> for for well, I mean, for no uncertain yes, terms. I, he was the, the the question is how exploitative it was. There's no there's no. I mean, being an art dealer, you're exploiting someone's art to one extent or another because you're taking part of the profit, right? The question is, was he extra exploitative, uh, if that makes sense? Like, did he, was it more than just taking a percentage and taking a cut and finding the right buyers? Was it more like, hey, I'm going to buy you this from for $2 from you and go sell it for 200000 You know, was it was that kind of thing? And then uh, furthermore, and this one's kind of, this one's... Uh, this is the standout. Uh, yeah, this one's a little bit more black and white. The archaeologists of the area at the time pointed out that he would like go to dig sites and desecrate them just to get the treasure he was after, meaning he wasn't like my man. <laughs> he desecrates a lot uh, of burial sites, so he does. He does. Uh, although generally it's like gerbil burial sites, which is really weird. I anyway. Or I'm um, just moving my kill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that's interesting. He's got a second uh, four-legged uh, mammal that he's that he's after. Anyway, um. So yeah, they, they, he would he would like go to these these digs and he would just dig up what he wanted, not log anything, and not take care to not damage other things or you know you know how archaeologists are so methodical and he wasn't any of that. And in fact, that belongs in a museum. <laughs> Sorry, he actually got into some legal hot water. Why don't you? Yeah, tell us about well, that? this I know I'm not really familiar with him. The FBI, FBI, I don't know how you say it. Uh, some weird <laughs> Phoebe. Uh, yeah, Phoebe. Phoebe uh, from Friends was after. Now, the FBI actually investigated him back in 09. Here's a quote from the Santa Fe Reporter in August of that year. Using an undercover source, agents from the FBI and the U.S. Bureau of Land Management have spent since November 2006 infiltrating a tight-knit community of looters in the Four Corners area who dig up graves and pillage archaeological sites on public lands, then sell the items they find to dealers and collectors. Fuck that noise. That part yeah. I, I put in. But it wasn't until early June of this year that agents announced their take. Thus far, a total of 24 people have been indicted, 23 arrests, and 12 homes searched, including four in Santa Fe. On June 12th, federal agents searched the homes of collectors Forrest Finn, Thomas Cavalier, Bill Shinnick, and Christopher Seltzer, seeking artifacts their undercover sources had learned about during the course of the investigation. Although agents seized certain items, as well as computers, business records, and photographs, they have yet to file charges against the four Santa Fe residents. Gross. Yeah, yeah. So here's some of the items that they found in his possession. Um Pieces of chain mail from the Pecos National Historical Park. Human hair. Who doesn't have a collection of that? Well, <laughs> I mean, that's amen. just a... <laughs> <laughs> uh, a feathered talisman uh, with magical powers. I, I added that part in, but I, I like to think that all talismans have magical powers. Mm -hmm. I like to think that they're all feathered, so, you know, 50-50. That's true. And a bison skull. And some of this stuff was confiscated by the, uh, the FBI. Here's yeah, the thing yeah. that, you know, we should point out. He was never charged. Yep. And like we don't know exactly how complicit he was in the actual theft. He could just be guilty of ignorance or well, I guess selective ignorance, maybe. Right. Though I will say peoples of the archaeological society there said, Oh no, he was there. They'd seen him. Um, so you know, it's such a fun story, and then you dig, oh my god, I hate stories like this where you're like, this is so fun, <laughs> and then you Don't go, be a piece of shit. Don't be a piece of shit. <laughs> it's like, and then Adolf Dahmer turned out to be a bad person. You know? <laughs> Who would have thought? Well, I, you know, listen, we can't say for sure what his uh, ultimate intent was, but it, 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 it sounds like... He benefited from the work of others mm. to profit for his own career. Yeah. So regardless of uh, 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 what actually happened, uh, the reality is he made millions of dollars. Well, it gets fucking weirder some... than there, though, John. He did make millions of dollars. But then 
two of the people targeted in the case committed suicide, wink, 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 and Finn blamed the FBI for their deaths, whether it was that they committed suicide because of them or they suicided themselves. Yeah, la, wrong, wrongful uh, persecution Epstein, or, oops, the, the, or Jeffrey the, Epstein, yeah. yeah. Just as I had planned. What? Never mind. Anyway, regardless of his complicity, we just wanted to point out there is certainly a lot of controversy around the man, for better or worse. You got to bring that up because we wanted to tell the whole story. Yep, that's right. That's right. Both sides. Yeah. So as uh, we mentioned in the open, Finn is diagnosed with terminal cancer in 1988. And thus begins his love affair with the treasure hunt. Uh, yes. uh, Finn uh, originally decides to pack up a treasure chest, take it to his favorite spot in the Rocky Mountains, and die with it. I don't even have a favorite spot in the Rocky Mountains, let alone a favorite treasure chest or a treasure or a chest. Like, I am not firing on all cylinders, I guess, when it comes to, to you know being up to his standards. Well, that's also that's one of the reasons that he originally wanted to do a treasure hunt. He was quoted later in life saying the reason that he came up with this is that too many people spend all of their time addicted to their devices sitting on their couch and not observing nature. And so he wanted to pull he used his money and his resources to Get pull out! people back to nature. Go hiking. Desecrate native land. Steal shit. <laughs> Live your life. Fall in love. Kill that person. Blame it on the FBI. I mean, really live. Get off your phone and dig up old Indian bones. Come on. Yeah. Uh, what a. I don't know. I don't. I don't know where to go with this one, but I'm. It's. It's an interesting one. Uh, it gets even weirder. A few years before Finn was diagnosed with terminal cancer, his father had been diagnosed with terminal cancer. And his father uh, actually wound up committing suicide with pills shortly after the diagnosis. Finn thought this was a decent idea with a bit of a twist. The twist coming in the form of finding his favorite place in the Rockies. Brent, do you want to read us a passage from an article from the California Sunday Magazine? Yeah. I thought I was going to die, Finn explained recently in his feathery Texas drawl. I'm sorry. Can you do this in a feathery Texas drawl, please? Uh, Yeah. I kept asking the guys who gave me radiation what my chances were, and all he said was, Mr. Finn, you just got an uphill battle. Two years earlier, Finn's father had also been diagnosed with advanced cancer, and he was taking what Finn saw as a dignified way out, a handful of sleeping pills. Finn already knew he didn't want to go with us slowly away either. Diet is something I don't want to do by myself, he said. Uh, you guys, you know, you guys are used to the South by now. You, you get it. He said, I don't need any help. I don't want somebody holding my hand. Everybody's crying. Jesus. What he didn't know was how to end things on his own terms. Then late one night, Finn had an idea. What if he followed in his father's footsteps just with an adventurous spin? He would stuff a treasure chest with glittering valuables, write a clue laden poem that would point to its location, and then march out to his favorite spot on earth to take some pills and lie in eternal repose with the gold, like a doomed conquistador in an Indiana Jones movie. All he needed was someone to write and publish the book in which he'd place the poem, because there was no point in hiding if no one knew I hid it, Finn said. But then, the fly in the ointment we mentioned before, yeah. he didn't die. I'm going to write my own fucking book? <laughs> Jesus Christ. But he had already bought the chest, and he had already filled it with treasure, and the idea of a treasure hunt did not go away. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, to the tune of, like, the next two decades, uh, he kept right. the treasure, I guess, hidden away in his vault as people like him are one to have, and thought about the hunt. <laughs> and then in 2010, he finally In did his skull island. Him. Right, right. Only thing in there are like Native American children's and this this treasure. So <laughs> bones thereof, because they might be valuable one day, I'm sure, to fuckheads like him. Anyway, the treasure hunt, John, tell us about it. Yeah, like you said, in twenty ten he he finally acted on it. Uh he he slipped out of his house with no one the wiser, uh, one afternoon, didn't even tell his wife, took the treasure with him, and he went somewhere in the Rockies and he buried it. Uh, he actually said it took him two trips from his car to get the treasure to the site, mostly because it weighed 42 pounds and he was 80 years old. Remember, lift with uh, your back, not your legs, in a jerking, twisting motion whenever <laughs> lifting treasure out of holes, kids. You know, the funny part of that, that is you can go read you can go read website after website with hundreds, if not thousands of posts, yeah, thousands of posts, analyzing where this could have been and what, and people just search the most inane places and you're like, 
hey, can't you limit it to where an 80-year-old man could have gotten? Right. Drove <laughs> and then carried shit twice? Yeah, right? Right, right. I feel like we could have knocked this out in 35, 45 minutes. <laughs> I just didn't want to. We, I just, I was bored. I mean, I had, fuck, I had to cook that night. Uh, mm-hmm. I needed to wash the car. Uh, you know, life. Life gets in the way. <laughs> anyway. The actual chest, the thing that was containing all of the treasure, was a treasure in and of itself. It was a bronze box estimated to have been made around the 12th century and featured a uh, a wood liner and a, a locking front clasp. Uh, really, really nice and ornate from that era. And according to Finn, it weighed uh, about 22 pounds. Wow. Yeah. It featured scenes and reliefs with knights scaling walls on ladders and maidens above throwing flowers down on them. Because that's what happened when you scaled walls. Uh, it, it appears to be a reference to Le Roman de la Rose poem, uh, The Pursuit of Love and Scaling the Castle of Love, which gained popularity around the same time the chest was made. Obviously, I am not a golfer. <laughs> anyway, inside the chest, Brent, 265 gold coins, hundreds of gold nuggets, hundreds of rubies, eight emeralds, two Ceylon sapphires, many diamonds, two ancient Chinese jade carvings, pre-Columbian gold bracelets, and a whole lot more. Man, that's a hell of a lot of shit. I mean, that is a treasure. I mean, talk about a treasure chest. That's that's literally what you think of when you think like a treasure chest in a cartoon. It reminds you know? me of this time uh, my cousins had fallen on hard time. They lived out in Oregon, and they were going to lose their house until they stumbled upon this pirate's treasure. Just don't. Just don't. Fine, we'll save that one for another day. But uh, well, anyway, my cousin Mikey was who, cool who did wait wait who who did the who did the treasure belong to Brent? Them, they found it. Finders keepers. No, Come I know, on, but the pirate, the, the pirate who originally we don't talk about that. John. I don't know what you're talking about. It didn't happen to be one eyed one eyed Willie. Don't be gross, dude. Yeah. Stop talking about your penis. <laughs> <laughs> one other thing was in the uh, treasure box uh, before he buried it. Brent, a miniature autobiography of his own, uh, sealed in an olive jar with wax. So that would have been in the more category is what you're getting at when you said and more. <laughs> yes, that's what I was getting at. I mean, he is nothing if not ostentatious. <laughs> Come on. Sometimes you got to have an olive jar with your own shit in there. For our first anniversary, <laughs> I gave my wife a sealed jar with a note that she's going to open on our 10th anniversary. So I got to get that one, John. <sighs> it's not my autobiography. <laughs> or is it? We got like three more years. I, I two more years. if it's one of those going to say something like I uh, I don't know what what could you what kind of prank could you have pulled like ten years out because you would do some shit like that <laughs> you would write something in there just for a well, laugh she doesn't like, get the really decoder ring laugh. until the ninth year <laughs> you, I mean like you would make her wait ten years just for like a fart joke <laughs> that's my point if it's a good fart you might have to wait that long. <laughs> you tell it's like anyway. a dumb dumb. You telling me you wasted the best years of your life? Yup, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! That was a good one. <laughs> Wait till I tell Hysteria Nation. <laughs> anyway, after uh, after Finn returned home, he uh, he kept his secret little trip to himself for a while. Uh, his own daughters didn't even know about it until he self-published his memoir. So, like, they had to read about it in his self-published memoir called "The Thrill of the Chase." Um, Where and that book was important. Fucker, get diamonds! Like Jesus, Dad. Thanks a lot. I I can't even afford rent, and you're giving away fucking jade encrusted rubies and wax covered poems and stuff. I'm in a 500 square foot hovel in the middle of the desert, and you're giving away fucking diamonds. They're probably rich as fuck off of you know pillaging other native people anyway. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> fuck that. Dad, I needed blah, another blah, blah, diamond. Blah. Yeah, inconceivable. See, we don't we don't rely on facts here. We also have a lot of supposition too. Uh, we think that's really important when trying to tell a story. Come on now. Uh, so this book, this uh, the thrill of the chase, was self published. It was important for another reason. It included the poem we mentioned earlier that had the written clues as to how to find the treasure. And with that, the game, as they say, was afoot. How do you verify something like this? I guess because you know that he was rich, but couldn't he have just been like, "Gotcha," you know, another one of those deals? I guess. Oh, he was accused of that. Like, um. One of the we're going to talk he about was accused people that, that accused died. Of, like people died, and they're like, "Please stop this." And he's like, "Nope." <laughs> one yeah. of the wives of one of the guys that died said, uh, "Like sued him 
uh, claiming in court that it was it was fake yeah. and that her husband had been duped into dying. And uh, spoiler there, even and, after it was found, then the people tried to say it was fake. And oh, know, yeah, 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 yeah. It, 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 Oops, it was found. We, so, all, we gave that away. <laughs> take the the, the the deaths aside. People who were searching for it, like they based their whole lives on this thing. They moved for it. They they were they, there was no way that someone else could have found it, you know, in their mind. John, to prove that we could have cracked this in 35, 45 minutes, why don't you read the poem and let everyone right. hear how easy this is? Here's was. this treasure poem. As I have gone alone in there. And with my treasures bold, I can keep my secret where and hint of riches new and old. Begin it where warm waters halt and take it in the canyon down. Not far, but too far to walk. Put in below the home of Brown. <laughs> I'm such a child. <laughs> I'm a child with you, John. I'm... Slap me, slap me with a brown book. Never mind. Okay, all right. <clears throat> Face toward down, ass toward up. Tis the way I like to treasure like to... hunt. <laughs> <laughs> oh john would you like to read, read to the class no shut it down shut it down it's over all right put it below the home of brown john go on i can't decide if we just hit the high water mark or the low water mark for the year <laughs> i suppose it all depends on your perspective right. anyway here's the rest of the poem from there, it's no place for the meek. The end is drawing ever nigh. There will be no paddle up your creek. Just heavy loads and water high. <laughs> We're the only podcast that covered this fucking story and can't get through the poem because of the dick and fart jokes. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. If you've been wise and found the blaze, look quickly down your quest to cease. But Terry scant with marvel gaze. Just take the chest and go in peace. So why is it that I must go and leave my trove for all to seek? The answer I already know. I've done it tired and now I'm weak. So hear me all and listen good. Your effort will be worth the gold. If you are brave in the wood, I give you title to the gold. <laughs> I'll say this. He was a smart guy. Yeah. He was a, 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 a brilliant art, art dealer. Maybe even a, a well-accomplished uh, writer and, and certainly a, 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 even a, a treasure uh, a hunt organizer. You know, I'll give him a merit badge for that. But a poet he was not because that was kind of that was kind of rough. I have no uh, poet background or, or, or way to look at it, so it was fine by me. And I got a good laugh out of it. That's all I can ask in poems. It reminds me of this one about this guy from Nantucket. I don't know if you've heard this one. Uh, no, go ahead. We don't have time. Uh, <laughs> anyway he wrote that he had the chest in the mountains somewhere north of santa fe and uh, that stories in the book included hints to the chest location as well as the poem found in the chapter golden more appropriately named uh, that contained nine clues that would lead a searcher to the chest so of course you got the shit going on it's a book containing all this information well guess what the whole story prompts a treasure hunt in the Rocky Mountains. Not just New Mexico, Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, all over there. And before long, people are flooding into Santa Fe. Well, that's that's the thing. He said the Rockies north of Santa yeah. Fe. That can mean a lot of places. Yeah, they, they actually made a, a, a considerable, a measurable boom in the city's uh, tourism industry. Uh, the Forest Fen Effect, one of the, the places talking about it, called it. For better or worse, they also had people trampling and just destroying things out there that they, they shouldn't be. But that's a side note. It also prompted a media firestorm. Uh, articles are being written left and right. Websites are dedicated to it. There's uh, something like seven appearances on the Today Show. Love me some Willard Scott. Maybe we should start a segment where I read the names of everyone who died under the age of 100. I bet Smuckers would sponsor that, too. I think that would be a really long segment. Dollar dollar bills, y'all. I give up. <laughs> anyway, John, uh, tell us about the value and shit. <laughs> it, uh, the, the value of the chest was estimated to be upwards of two million bucks. Um, now, later on, some folks estimate that if it sold as like a full set, it would be it actually could go for a lot more than that. Because of the infamous hunt, like all of the surrounding media coverage and such, uh, it, it's just like a, you know, a, when you get the whole set of a, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know, or whatever. Like when things are sold oh, as a set, they sell shit, for more. You got all the garbage pail kids. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. 
And this is one hell of a garbage pail kid. So, so uh, anyway, he claim Finn said that he made no money on the sale of the self-published books, and the reason he did so was because he didn't want to be labeled a fraud by critics. He printed uh, initially; he printed like a hundred thousand books, and he said they've actually sold over twenty times that, or, or something to that effect, like an insane amount. But he, a bunch of them, he just gave to local bookstore and. Uh, uh, he didn't. He didn't look to make any profit off the book. So you know what a that's not uh, going to stop what a gentleman from calling you a, a hacker, a fraud, a fraud. That's yeah. not how the, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at that though, John, it wasn't all fucking sunshine and rainbows. Believe it or not, at least no five. At least five people died. They know of searching for probably more because a lot of people go out there without telling people and disappear. Uh, but they were searching for the treasure specifically. Here are the counts of the deaths. You can get these from Wikipedia. Uh, so first was Randy Ballou. He went missing in January 2016, was found dead in July. Uh, his body was discovered by workers along the Rio Grande. An autopsy couldn't determine the cause of his death, but his wife has publicly stated, and this is what I was mentioning before, that she believed the Fen treasure was a hoax. Yeah. Next, uh, this is a close one. Jeff Murphy of Batavia, Illinois, Batavia Fermi Lab. He was found dead in Yellowstone National Park on June 9th of 2017 after falling about 500 feet or 150 meters down a steep slope. Yellowstone officials did not provide details to the public concerning their investigation, but KULR TV filed a Freedom of Information Act request, and the television station reported that Murphy's wife told authorities that he was looking for the treasure when he first was reported missing. Yikes. Yeah, that's sad. Um, another one, Pastor Paris Wallace of Grand Junction, Colorado, told family members that he was searching for a buried treasure, but he failed to show up for a planned family meeting on June 14th, 2017. His car was found parked uh, near the Taos Junction Bridge, and his body was found five to seven miles downstream along the Rio Grande. Eric Ashby, 31, was found dead in Colorado's Arkansas River on July 28th of 2017. His friends and family stated that he had moved to Colorado in 2016 to look for the treasure, specifically, and that he was last seen on June 28th, rafting on the river 10 to 15 miles upstream from where his body was found. The raft overturned, and Ashby had been missing since then. Ugh. Uh, and the fifth uh, that they certainly have attributed to Finn's, uh, Finn's treasure is Michael Wayne Sexton, age 53, of Deer Trail, Colorado, was found dead by rescuers on March 21st, 2020. Yeah alongside his unnamed 65-year-old male companion who later recovered in the hospitals. One of them made it. Authorities were notified by the person who rented a pair of snowmobiles to the men. The pair were discovered within five miles of a site they had been rescued from a month earlier near the Dinosaur National Monument along the Utah-Colorado border. Maybe you just shouldn't be fucking doing this if that's what's happening. I mean, I don't mean to talk ill of the dead, but... Fuck, if you're having to be rescued multiple times, well, not multiple times, for one of them, unfortunately, maybe this isn't for you. No, yeah, you're right. You know? In 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 uh, in a lighter look at this, we when we were talking about one earlier, we mentioned Colorado's Arkansas River. It reminded me of that old joke. I forget what movie. It's from some old movie. It's like, uh, who's that? Colorado Bill. Where's he from? Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Reminds me of Texas Sam, you know, from Wyoming. <laughs> These guys would have just waited for a Native American to come to forge the river. They could have gone on uh, with their party and, and made it. But instead, they just tried to, to come. They, they lost their yoke. They lost their oxen. It's like they'd never played Oregon Trail. <laughs> Although, I don't believe we had any that had died of dysentery. Well, we don't know because autopsies were not officially, you know, they didn't know for sure, John. That's true. That's true. So here, what, here's what we have, Brent. A buried treasure, hundreds of thousands of treasure hunters, a KGL war vet pulling the strings of it all. <laughs> Was it just one big hoax or would someone eventually discover the location of this actual treasure chest in the Rockies? Our conclusion after the break. How will they ever know? Will we tell them? <laughs> could they have Google? Did they hear it when we said it three times earlier? <laughs> Spoiler alert! Found! <laughs> found! I'm trying to decide if when I write the description if I should even put whether it's found or not. Like, when you're hearing this, you'll already know if I decided that because you'll have read the description. Because I know every one of you read every word of every description, right? There's a description? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Let's just get go, to it, John. Gonna, uh, guess what they found? I'm gonna it. go cry. When they find it, John, when? When? When they find it? They found it, believe it or not, last year at the height of the pandemic uh, in on June 6, 2020, Finn himself, who was still alive, posted on the searcher blog Thrill of the Chase, which was a blog you know dedicated to this search, that the treasure had been found. It said, quote, it was under a canopy of stars in the lush, forested vegetation of the Rocky Mountains and had not moved from the spot where I hid it more than 10 years ago. I do not know the person who found it, but the poem in my book led him to the precise spot. I congratulate the thousands of people who participated in the search and hope they will continue to be drawn by the promise of other discoveries. So the search is over. Look for more information and photos in the coming days. Yeah, well, guess what? We live on Earth, so two things happened. <laughs> uh, the guy wasn't a fucking idiot, so he stayed anonymous for a while. And right. other uh, people who had been looking for it got very, very angry. No spoiler because obviously that's the way the fucking world. One got so angry, she decided, as you were talking about, to sue the anonymous winner. Literally sue the anonymous winner. A Chicago real estate attorney and apparently part-time treasure hunter named Barbara Anderson. I, I wish she had a cooler name. But anyway, she sued. <laughs> I mean, could it, that's, that couldn't be more milk toast, <laughs> Right. She uh, sued the then unnamed finder for allegedly hacking her texts and emails to find the clue because that's what you do. Well, he found the treasure, and I knew where it was, so he must have hacked my email. That was actually her voice. It was BS. No one could ever prove anything, but the case got to the point where the defendant's name would become a matter of public record. So last year, 32-year-old Michigan native, I'm sorry if I'm saying it wrong, Jack Stoof came out as the winner, S-T-E-U-F. He didn't even learn about the hunt until 2018. And That's the best part of that yeah. story. <laughs> there were people that had already m- changed their lives and searched for eight years before he even knew it existed. Moved across country and died for this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I wasn't going that far, but. Well, uh, the, literally, the guy moved to Colorado and died looking for it before that. Yeah. No, I know. I know. I, I just wasn't laughing at them, I, 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 I should say. No, it's the truth. That's what's crazy. He says, though, the key was to finding the treasure was understanding the man. Um, lots of folks went to the direction we probably would have ciphers anagrams keys etc but jack said his english degree helped him more than a cipher would here's an excerpt from an interview with him in an article from outside magazine last year by an author writing the book on the whole affair and that's uh, due out in june daniel barbarisi he said uh, i don't want to ruin this treasure hunt by saying it was made for an english major but it's based on a close read of a text uh, jack said i mean that's what it is it's having the correct interpretation of a poem. I understood him by reading his words and listening to him talk over and over and over and over again and seeking out everything I could get my hands on that told me who he was. When asked if figuring out puzzles required the use of anagrams or GPS coordinates or sophisticated codes of any sort, Stoof was clear in his response. No, he says. But I don't want to say that people are stupid for thinking those things were valid or they were being irrational. I think Forrest designed it to be fun, and whatever people got out of it, that gave them fun. I think, to me, it's rational and that they were doing it right in that way. The solution, Steve said, is tied far more to understanding Finn's emotions and to a close examination of the poem itself than to puzzle-solving skills. Finn simply didn't care about those kinds of things. He was more interested in adventure, legacy, history, narrative. There's no reason to think that these things would be something he was interested in or had any experience. I mean, he was coming to this not from the perspective of being a huge fan of puzzles or a puzzle master. He was not a fan of armchair treasure hunts. His point of reference was pirates. His purpose was not to create a great puzzle and show everyone how smart and slick he was, but purpose was this weird idea to entomb himself and to create a historic legend. None of that supports armchair solutions, and he was open about that. Meaning, I'm not fucking telling you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, a couple of things about Forrest that we didn't highlight yet. He actively participated with the search community. people would talk to him people would ask him questions he would never like to your point he would never tell them anything but he was on the forums he would talk to people you're getting warmer you're getting colder (laughs) that's that's all he did warmer and colder that's the only way he would respond i i do think it's kind of a, a fitting no matter what you think of the man earlier in life a fitting end that he got to see the um the 
the discovery of the treasure because uh, he, he this the treasure was discovered in June last year. He died in September last year. Yeah, it's almost like he was holding out. Yeah, or it's classic timing. But uh, yeah, and none of it's been sold. Yeah, Stu, he's Stoof is still holding on to it. Uh, if you Google any of this, Forrest Fenn treasure, Stoof, whatever, you can you'll find pictures of of Stoof with the um, with the box. Yeah, with him um, and him and, and uh, Forrest together, you know, talking yeah. and things like that. There's a lot of conjecture that he was a plant, and you know, uh, he's well. Number one, he <laughs> he stole this information from the woman, and and that Forrest gave him the information so that he could prove that it was real when it really wasn't. There's all sorts of things like that. Uh, that's how all these are going to be. I I don't buy it. I. Like the uh, the conjecture that he was a plant, I, I know what you're. I, the, lots of people have accused him of that, and so one of the things we didn't get into was Stoof's background. Um, go read that really good article in Outside Magazine if you want more on him. Yeah, we'll have some links to everything in the in the show notes. He's not. He doesn't. He has a checkered past, and what I mean by that is he wrote for the Onion and he wrote for a couple other websites, and a few of the things that he did and said were. Um, uh, we're not going to get into them, but just they were were like he might have made fun of a disabled person and i i i don't want to i don't want to throw too many facts out there that i don't uh, have right in front of me but the point is this didn't strike me as the kind of guy looking for the spotlight right uh he had given up writing he he had you know he was a professional writer he had an english major he'd given up writing to go back to school to become a doctor uh, he was actually in medical school when he found this thing he and he's quoted as saying the only thing he liked about uh being a doctor was being with the patients everything else sucked <laughs> that's not surprising it's like the only thing i like about being a chef is eating the food you know <laughs> right right yeah but uh yeah he has not sold the treasure and uh he said oh maybe i'll piece it out maybe i'll sell it as a set i'm like dude sell it as a set i don't think there's any doubt that you'd get a lot more money that way that, I would that, think that was so. the point i was yeah. allu- i didn't want to spoiler for the three people who didn't know yet but what i was alluding to earlier is like this was a 10 year pr stunt to make that treasure worth more like it literally probably doubled or tripled in value because of. And guess of what? The that is not going to keep going up. That is a diminishing That's right. return. There is a there there is a shelf life on that. You're absolutely correct, especially since there's no mystery behind it anymore. Right. So Brent, what do you think? Uh, what, what are your what are your closing thoughts? Do you have any? Uh, I think it was a fun idea. I think that it was probably uh, in today's day and age a little ill-advised especially with people dying of course that's as much ill-advised for them for going out ill-prepared a lot of ill in that conversation right there um <laughs> i don't believe he was probably a plan i think it's all uh, i would assume on the up and up um i i hate flowery language that doesn't actually add anything or answer when you ask quite oh, i'm an english major and so i knew what he was talking about well, you know, and I don't know. I just wish people answered things a little bit better than that. Um, and I think that Finn was kind of a shithead in one way or another. And maybe some of this money should be returned or used to help the native people that uh, were not benefited by him in life. That's such a good idea. If Stoof really wanted to, like, make some money off this but walk away feeling good and looking good to the public... Go sell, go sell it for four or five million bucks, and give half of it to uh, yeah. whatever local native tribe you know probably uh, lost the most to Finn or something like that. Right, um, right. It's a really good idea. You know, I, I agree with you about uh, Stoops not helping his own case in the way in which he talks about it at times. Though I understand his point, like he's what he's saying, like he's saying, listen, everybody was trying to out clever Finn, and there was nothing to out clever. It was a pretty straightforward guy who wrote a poem, and if you just listen to the man, he also said he listened to like hundreds of hours of um, of interviews yeah. with Finn, and th- there were a couple slip ups that came along the way that he he took in as as hints. So what he's saying, like he's like literally just listen to what the words the man used, and it, rather than you know uh, it being needing a cipher and you know uh, uh, um, you know counting every third letter or any any of that any of that jazz. You know what it, it reminded me of? It, you're right, Brent. It was ill-advised in today's world because there, I mean, it's just, how are people, you're telling people to go to a dangerous area to look for something. And like it, at one point, Finn even had to come out and say it's not in a mine shaft because people were going into mines. Anyway, um, it reminded me of a, le, of a, of a um, more dangerous version of Ready Player One. 
Of course. Like, I mean, it, that's it, the big takeaway here. I mean, it's got to have these big, you know, comparisons to that. I mean, think about it. Yeah. Like there's this, there's this guy, uh, he's an old patriarchal type of character and he, you know, he's got a fortune. He's going to leave someone to the most deserving one, the one who can find it. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I like, I, I thought that was an and interesting. Also, uh, well, also Stu said that when he found it, he had to use the iron giant to defeat Mechagodzilla to get to it too. So, Oh nice. yeah, I guess that was, that was part of the, the similarity I was yeah. seeing. Yeah. Um, uh, he also said he's really good at joust. I don't know. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. Anyway, that's what we think, Nation. More importantly, what do you think? Let us know on Facebook. Go to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation. It is our discussion group where we will talk about Fen's treasure and so much more. Just go to Facebook.com and search Hysteria Nation. That is right. Also, while you're on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hysteria 51. That is our regular Facebook page. Patreon.com slash Hysteria 51. Find extra episodes like me talking about this when it first happened on uh, Mad Blurry Hysteria the, uh, as far as the finding of the treasure and things like that and also up all nights and radio dramas voicemail 773-669-7277 again 773-669-7277 your homework this week follow us on Instagram find us on there stare 51 Give us a follow, and uh, we'll post some crazy photos for you there. We post on there all the time. So We're on Instagram? One. Who knew? Yeah. It's in the description every week, John. Who knew? <laughs> I don't think it is. Anyway, tell a friend about the show. Tell them about Instagram. Get them on there. Uh, tweet to us at Hysteria51Pod. Let us know your thoughts. Most importantly, tell your friend about our, our poetry recital skills. Because yeah. we are good. Native Texans oh, will just be drooling at my drawl. Oh, at your drawl, yeah, your feathery Texas drawl. Um, that's right. Uh, yeah, it was really good. And, um, you know, I pat myself on the back daily about it. I thought you were going to go prospector there. I was surprised you went. Uh, no, Gus, it's not a mine shaft, John. We've talked about it. You know, and. and, and, and <laughs> it's true. true. <laughs> anyway, those are our thoughts. With that said, I've been Brent. I've been John. He's been Conspiracy Bot. Stay woke, meet sex. It was terrible. It was just terrible. That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. John and Brent will be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored, and the unheard of. Oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts, or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite, join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation, or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.